Hello, my dreadful darlings, and welcome to another unfortunate episode of Nocturnal Emissions. I'm back again. You thought you could get rid of me, and yet here I am. I hope you're having a great night tonight. I hope that you're warm and toasty inside your home, listening to my delicious dulcet tone voice. Mm. How lucky are you? I mean, really. I am so grateful to be back again for another Tuesday night. Uh, Spending it with you guys on the air is incredible, and I'm so fortunate to be able to have this opportunity. Um, I love this this gig. I mean, it's so much fun, and and this is episode number four. Um, I am starting to get a little bit of the hang hang of it, a little bit, if you can tell. like for tonight, for example, I didn't just talk to myself before I realized that I had to hit the the on air button. Um, yeah, I did. I did that um, last time. What I did was I hit the on air button and then totally forgot that I hit the on air button. And then I was on air for like two minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just like dead silence while I was like, mm, oh, okay, mm, press that, okay, mm. which was really dumb. But whatever. We're back. I'm back. I'm getting better. Okay. I appreciate you guys out there, the faceless void that I'm speaking to like a crazy person. I'm imagining that you're all enjoying this as well. I I would imagine that. I mean, why else would you guys come back night after night, week after week? What are you, sadist? What's wrong with you? God. Okay. Anyway. Thanks for coming back. Today's lineup is a little bit different than uh, what I have done in the past. I mean, every episode, I think, is a little bit different than the episode that came before it. But this one is a little bit of a shakeup. Instead of doing kind of different segments, uh, spooky stories, interviews, things like that, I'm just doing two segments tonight. One is Six Sad World with the news of the weird, um, and then I've got some movie news straight out of Hollywood, which, I mean, really, if we're thinking about it, can also be called Six Sad World. I don't really have a name for this segment. Uh, If you guys think of any names for what the movie news, horror movie news should be called other than horror movie news, please let me know. Um, I'm really not that creative when it comes to names. I mean, obviously, Six Sad World is is if you watched Daria from the 90s, you would understand where that comes from. Um, but yeah, if you think of a name for what I should call horror movie news, like, please let me know. Uh, all right, so we got a good lineup for you guys, and I'm going to get that all ready for you and all queued up. And in the meantime, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play some tunes for you ghouls out there. And All right, you guys, that was Jerry Bryan with Vampire Daddy. I really like these sort of like weird 60s horror movie, like homage uh, songs. Uh, I find a lot of them on the internet and I compile them so that I can have something um, for intermission. And they're all like hilarious and so goofy and like so silly. Uh, I, I love all of them. If you guys know of any more of these sort of like, I don't even know how to describe them, but they're like, 
they're all horror themed and it's all about voodoo daddy and vampire daddy and like i i dated a werewolf and it's there i don't know what genre of of music this is but it's my favorite and so if you find any out there um please send them my way um you can find me on Twitter. That would probably be the easiest way of finding me at Nakamis, N-O-C-E-M-I-S-S on Twitter or the Nocturnal Emission Show on Facebook. All right. So first up, I've got some Six Sad World for you guys. And uh, this one I'm like so upset about. <laughs> okay. I, I don't want to frame this as though this is the most upsetting thing for me uh, because I have, like, a bunch of things about, like, murders and stuff like that. So I don't want to be like, this is uh, this is my, I this crossed my line. But this is a little bit closer to home and it's, I'm going to ease you into this, to this news. I don't want to go right out the gate with having some messed up, super sick news for you guys because, uh, like, the world is already rough enough as it is. Um, but, oh man, I am so upset about this. First of all, nobody told me that this was happening. I didn't see this on, to be fair, I have not been very active on social media in the past uh, few weeks. I've been taking kind of a little bit of a break from it uh, just to kind of clear my head. But uh, apparently a man in Ballard built an entire replica of Diagon Alley from Harry Potter and had a day where people in costume could come and take pictures and explore. And I didn't hear a peep, none of none of about this. Nobody told me anything. Nobody said to me, Isabella, you're a huge Harry Potter fan. Would you like to come to Ballard, which is one bus stop away? Not Well, not necessarily. But would you like to come to Ballard so that we could go to Diagon Alley and see this in real life and dress up like Harry Potter people? It would be so much fun. I would be delighted. Nobody said that to me. Nobody invited me. But my friends went. Or so-called friends. Whatever. I'm not mad about it. I'm not upset about it. I'm not salty in the least bit. Who cares? Who cares? Not me. I don't care. Okay? Just because of the fact that I love Harry Potter so much and have for the last decade. And nobody thought about inviting me. Who cares? Who cares? Whatever. Apparently, though, it's been up since Halloween. And, um... <laughs> So I can't really be that mad about it because where have I been since Halloween? Um, but uh, if you are in the Seattle area or in the Ballard area and you really want to go see this, this guy built like a like a full on Diagon Alley. Like, I mean, it looks I mean, I don't know how big this guy's driveway is, but he built a full on I mean, it, it doesn't look that great <laughs> like it doesn't look like it's like that realistic but it does look like it, it I mean it's much more than anybody I've I have who, who just like on the weekend would just be like yeah I want to build a replica of a scene from Harry Potter like that's remarkable remarkable and this guy apparently had a lot of money and a lot of time on his hands because he worked in tech and then he quit his tech job 
I'm not sure if he quit his tech job to do this or if he quit his tech job and then he was like, well, I got nothing else to do and then did this, uh, which is like, man, give me that life. I was like, I just got so much time and money on my hands. I guess I'll just uh, just build a replica of a scene from Harry Potter because I got so much. That's insane to me. I don't have that much. I barely have enough time to eat. Nonetheless, whatever. Not bitter about it. It's going to be open until New Year's. Um, so if you want to see a little slice of the Harry Potter universe, you can go to Ballard and see it for yourself. It's open seven days a week from 10 a.m. until 9 p.m., uh, which is so cool. I mean, like, you know, jokes aside, I think that that's a really kind of amazing sort of a thing for a, a person to do, and he did it for his kids, which is really cool. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I Seattle is kind of a little bit, a little bit, losing a little bit of its quirkiness. It's it's kind of becoming this place that is becoming um, kind of what I what I describe as norm core. It's becoming this place that's very beige. It's very basic. It's very there's nothing. The weirdness of Seattle is sort of fading away, so that Amazon and uh, all the tech companies can kind of make the city this kind of bland, um, I don't even know what you would say. I, I'm a little bit exhausted. I need a couple, couple cups of coffee. My vitamin D is like super low. <laughs> so, but we're going to bear through it. Okay. Cause we're from the Pacific Northwest and we drink our coffee and we shut up about it. Okay. Nobody wants to hear about how much you miss the sun. All right. People from California, nobody cares. Okay, take your vitamin D pills, rub your crystals, and get out. Okay, moving along. A couple in Missouri has recently been arrested for putting their infant son in the microwave. The baby was four months old when it was treated for facial burns in April. The couple, Derek Boyce Slezak, I kid you not that that is their last name, Slee Boyce Slezak, which is... Okay, and Michaela Boyce-Slezak's. A Slezak is like, there was a TV show in the 70s uh, called Land of the Lost, and a Slezak was like an alien creature. Um, I oh my God. These people, like, what is wrong? Uh, both 22 years old have now been held on a $500,000 bond. I don't understand what would make a parent do something and think of something like that. Like, I don't understand how somebody could be so sick that they would possibly think of like, I know I'll put a human being, my own child into the microwave. Like that I'm really struggling with, you know, I mean, it's not even like I want to even understand how you could think of something like that, but, but where? Where in your brain? Where in your little rat, reptile, snake brain would you even think that that would be something that that you should do? I, that I, I really, uh, even a second in the microwave is searing, blistering heat. I mean, it is, it is, it is a heat. I mean, it, 
everybody knows how a microwave works. We all know. We've all seen things explode in the microwave. So they knew going into it that if they put their baby in the microwave, their baby was going to be hurt. It was a really a four-month-old. What could a four-month-old do to deserve something like that? What could any human being, any human being do? I mean, like... I, I can't think of that. I, I really can't. Um, I, I don't think a child could ever do anything to, to deserve something like that. And I hope that this baby um, is taken away from these monsters, uh, given a loving family home far away from them. And I hope that this baby makes a full recovery and that these people are punished severely for their crime and that this baby goes on with no memory of this abuse. So, moving on. The body of 24-year-old Sydney Loof has been found three weeks after uh, she disappeared after a Tinder date with a woman. Now, this is literally every single woman's nightmare, right? You're going out to meet somebody that you met on a dating app, which everybody uses. Everybody uses Tinder. Everybody uses Grindr and OkCupid and eHarmony. Like, everybody's on it except for me. I am not on it because I do not trust the algorithms. They're always like, oh, trust the algorithms. The algorithms are going to get you together on somebody. It never works. I do not believe in the algorithms. And this is, like, more evidence that I should not believe in the algorithms, okay? Um, but she left, she went on a date and she never came home again. Three weeks later, they found her body, um, miles away on like a rural road. Um, and, uh, apparently Tinder fully cooperating with the investigation, which is great news. Cause sometimes these guys, they, they want to, you know, it's like Apple or, or the, the iPhone, like they want you to like send them a, um, a, a warrant so then you it's like a whole thing but apparently tinder is just like let me let's give you all the information for this case and two people of interest are currently in custody um uh, and they're not in custody for the death of loof um but they are in custody for some sort of federal related charges which i would guess that basically what it is is that they're being held right now um for probably um endangerment probably capture some sort of federal crime like luring somebody uh, with the intent for harm those sorts of federal crimes and not directly related to her death and her cause of death has not yet been released so if you're using a dating app okay like many 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 people are please be careful um tell your friend before you leave to tell somebody before you go out on a date, tell somebody where you're going, tell somebody who you're meeting up with. Um, if something doesn't feel right to you, something doesn't feel right about the person, you have every right to leave. You have every right to, to walk away and tell that person, it's not really working out for me. I think I want to go home. You don't owe it to them to stay and be uncomfortable for the entire night. You know, I know a lot of people think that, like, oh, I don't want to be rude. And, you know, I don't want people, somebody to think that I'm a bad person because of the fact that, like, you know, I'm walking away from them. But, like, really, you really, you don't deserve 
you don't you don't owe them anything. So please be safe out there. Please make smart choices. Um, you know, please uh, be careful and tell people where you're going and tell people who's with you for your own safety. All right. This one's fascinating to me. Um, a Texas unsolved mystery that has been haunting the residents of the Rio Grande. I oof, the Rio Grande Valley. It's Rio Grande. Okay. I'm, I'm from Texas, so this throws me off. From the Rio Grande Valley since 1960 has been solved. The 85-year-old John Felt has been convicted of the murder of Irene Garza when she was 25 and he was 27. Garza was last seen headed for confession at the church where Felt was a priest. Her body was then found days later in a canal where the evidence, where there was evidence that she had been stra- strangled and raped. Well, the case has been solved. Uh, a question, there's still questions about this case. So, so the main case has been solved, but there's still unresolved questions about whether or not there was a deal cut between the district attorney and the church to stop a scandal from breaking out. And it is very well known that the church has its own set of issues. Okay, everybody knows that the church is dealing with a whole slew of stuff. And the last thing that they would want at their doorstep was a murder investigation by one of their own. Okay. So according to assistant DA, Michael Garza, who is in no relation to the victim, uh, he described felt as a predator set loose in the young devout women of McAllen. McAllen, Texas is in the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, then a small agricultural community where no one doubted the moral authority of the Catholic Church. I also really want to stress that um, McAllen and the Rio Grande Valley has a lot of Mexican and um, uh, Hispanic immigrants in that. I mean, they're not really immigrants. They were there before. Okay, whatever. We're not going to get into it. Um, But so there's a lot of people who are um, who are migrants, who are migrant workers, who are agricultural workers, uh, and who are deeply religious. Mexico is a predominantly Catholic country, I believe, and as are a lot of uh, of Hispanic countries. They're predominantly Catholic, and the idea that felt um, manipulated these women uh, through their faith. Uh, and that was how he was able to lure and murder uh, Irene Garza. Father Joseph O'Brien, an assistant pastor who told a Dallas Morning News reporter in 2004 that he elicited a confession from Felt. Garza noted that even O'Brien, now deceased, was complicit, helping dispose of items found in the rectory belonging to the victim, Garza said in his closing. Um... Irene was a second grade teacher who had been Miss All South Texas Sweetheart in 1958 and a former prom and homecoming queen in what was then Pan American College. Um, Dale uh, Tachini, Tachini, um, who was a former monk at the monastery uh, where uh, this church was, said that felt felt no remorse for what he had done. 
only that he was haunted by the sound of Garza's heels. Which I think this case is it was a cold case for I mean God for for what how many years uh, since the 1960s so that's about 50 years or so um, more than 50 years yeah yeah like 60 years um, uh, this guy was convicted at the age of 85. Um, there's still this question of what did the church know? What the, did, did the, the officers know? What did the, the DA's office know? There's still so many questions unsolved in this. Now we know who did it. We know how he did it. Um, well, there is some sort of speculation about how exactly he did it because he says that, he, or actually, I don't think that he actually said it. I think that one of the uh, pastors, maybe it was O'Brien, had said that he felt had left her in a bathtub and that's how she drowned, that he had raped her and then he left her in a bathtub to drown. But that doesn't quite get at it because, I mean, how does a person just drown in a bathtub even after some some sort of assault that... Uh, heinous, it still doesn't result in a drowning. So that's kind of a mystery. Um, but for sure, it was strangulation that she was killed by. Um, but there's still a mystery about what exactly did the DA's office know? And what did the church do? And how is that all connected? And I definitely think that there was something going on with the church and the law enforcement. I think that deals are constantly made between the church and law enforcement. For, for their priests to not face crimes. We've seen it before in the in the media, uh, in mainstream ca- cases. And so I don't doubt that that was really part of this puzzle. But what I also find fascinating is this idea that for decades, this man, this murderer, um, this snake was haunted by the sound of her heels. I just imagine this this man going through, living his life, and just hearing the sound of her heels everywhere he goes, um, and that she, finally, her ghost, her spirit can rest uh, now that he's been convicted. Or maybe, hopefully, well, no, not hopefully, but maybe she'll also haunt him to the grave, and he'll have to face his crimes in this life and also the afterlife. So, yeah. Uh, If I could curse, I would totally curse this dude, but I can't because we're live on the radio. But uh, to felt you, you're, you're, I hope you get what's coming to you. That's all I'll say. So I'm going to take a quick break and I'm going to play some tunes for you guys and, uh, Then we're going to come right back with some spooky movie news. All right, hold on to your butts, guys. All right, so I got some movie news for you guys. I won't say how old I am, okay? I'm going to leave that to be a mystery for for the viewers, for the listeners out there. But I will say that I grew up in the golden era of Saturday morning cartoons and programs like SNCC. Do you guys remember SNCC? Do you remember the Nickelodeon channel had this like Saturday night programming where it was like a group of of TV shows? Well, 
there was a show that was called Are You Afraid of the Dark? Do you remember that? You have to remember the show. It was so incredible. It ran from 1990 to about 1996. Uh, and it had a, uh, this I did not know until I looked it up on the Wikipedia. It had a revival series for a year from 1999 to 2000, uh, which is like the Mandela effect because I have no memory of that whatsoever. Um, but it was my it was one of my favorite TV shows. It was it was great because it was horror, but it was for kids. So like I could watch it because I wasn't allowed to watch horror movies at the time. But but watching Are You Afraid of the Dark kind of felt like a loophole that and like I was allowed to stay up. I was allowed to stay up for this show and then after that was my bedtime so it was it was something to look forward to and it was also like this uh test of courage because some of my friends would get really creeped out by it but I was like no I'm not scared I'm not scared oh, bring it on like it was just it was just a, a way of sort of testing your metal and so uh it has a really fond place almost more than goosebumps like I I wasn't I don't know what what show do I I like more. Are you afraid of the dark or goosebumps? Are you afraid of the dark really scared me? <laughs> That's the thing. Uh goosebumps not so much though. I don't know why. Well, you are going to be surprised. <laughs> You're not going to be surprised by this, but they're bringing it back. They're going to make a remake of Are You Afraid of the Dark? And also unsurprisingly is that Gary Dauberman, who is the writer of the recent It movie, will write this movie, which is not surprising because one, it was a huge movie and also it featured teenagers. It, it featured teenagers in a horror genre where uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark, if you don't recall, or you were not, uh, you didn't watch the TV show, was about a group of teenagers called the Midnight Society who would meet around a campfire and tell spooky stories to each other. So I don't exactly know how they're going to do this as a movie. Uh, I hope that it is not like the Goosebumps movie with Jack Black, which sucked. Um, But uh, it has no director yet attached to it. But the release date has been announced as October 11th, 2019. What do you guys think about this? Are you guys excited? Is this just like so annoying? You're so over this remake culture. Um, because hold on to your butts. I got a bunch of these for you. I like saying that. Hold on to your butts. It's probably it's Samuel L. Jackson. I won't even claim that. All right. Speaking of reboots of classic anthologies, it looks like The Twilight Zone is a go with Jordan Peele of Get Out fame. But there is one caveat. It is going to be exclusively on the CBS digital subscription service All Access, which um, I'm not happy about because I am already trying to watch Star Trek Discovery without buying a subscription. I won't tell you how I'm trying to figure that out, but I'm trying to tell you that Mama wants to see some Star Trek. Mama does not want to pay for it. I'm already paying for so many subscription services, okay? I'm paying for Netflix. I'm paying for Hulu. I'm paying for Spotify. I'm paying for Amazon. Like, I'm paying for so much. I am not going to pay a subscription service just so that I can watch two shows. Like, this is ridiculous to me. CBS 
will not put brown people on its television shows, but they'll put brown people behind a paywall. And that infuriates me. But I'm going to figure this out, okay? But they really do need to make a deal with Hulu uh, in order for their programs to be simul- simulcasted but or simulcasted? Whatever. All right. So... <laughs> I digress. This is huge news for Twilight Zone fans. Uh, Twilight Zone is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. And what I firmly believe is one of the greatest TV shows that has ever been made. Uh, Rod Serling, who you will know because he was the presenter of uh, every single episode of The Twilight Zone. He was the guy who came in with a cigarette and, and uh, gave the incredible monologue about The Twilight Zone. Uh, he also wrote every single episode of the, of the show, which is incredible. I mean, that's incredible. Who does that nowadays? Like, it, for him to present and write every single episode, like, it's going to be my guess that they're not going to do a formatting like that. So, uh, despite the fact that the show is over 40 years old, it's in black and white, and it's very much of its time, it's still iconic. There are still so many episodes that I watch, and it's so fresh, and it's so genre-pushing and contemporary, and the messages that are behind it feel contemporary. So, um, the, the show holds up like none other, uh, especially when you find out that it wasn't like a huge hit when it came out, but it's become this show that is just, it's a classic. And I love how on the sci-fi channel every new year's, right? Yeah. Every new year's they'll just play it for, um, like 24 hours. They'll just play the twilight zone, which is great. Um, so, I also want to explain that Peel isn't taking over the show. He's he's not like directing and writing every single episode. He's co-producing it as part of a team. So I would guess that there's probably going to be a team of people writing and directing each episode. Uh, If they were smart, they would keep it in the style and themes of the original show, but they would incorporate things and elements like the show Black Mirror, which is largely influenced by The Twilight Zone, if you couldn't tell. You come, you get celebrities to do some guest roles, you get some really great, amazing uh, writers, science fiction writers. Um, A lot of the episodes of The Twilight Zone were originally inspired by science fiction writing, inspired by really incredible, I know Ray Bradbury was an inspiration for a couple of episodes, things like that. So you do that. You get some contemporary science fiction writers, great luminaries of our time right now. You get some celebrities come on. You get, um, oh man, the original Captain Kirk. uh, What's his name? You get him to come back on and and do a reprisal just for funsies because his episode um, is an iconic episode. There was one, oh, what is his name? Oh my God, this is hurting me it's not like I don't have a google machine right in front of me um but uh he had this episode where he was on a plane and he saw something that was on the wing of let's see captain this is so I'm so ashamed oh my god captain Kirk actor I'm just so 
ashamed of myself that I don't know this off the top of my head. I'm such a huge Star Trek fan. Um, I can't think. I'm on the radio right now. So, uh, but he had an episode where he saw something on the wing and he got freaking out and it was like a gremlin or something like that. It's just, it's, it's iconic. It's an iconic episode where he's like, it's on the wing. It's on the wing. And then people were like, calm down, sir. And he's like, no, you don't understand. It's on the wing. William Shatner. Ugh. Ugh. That was gonna kill me the entire episode. So... You really do it. And I think that if anybody is going to be right for that, it's going to be Jordan Peele. I mean, he wrote for a TV show for years, Key and Peele, which was a great show. So he knows about the writing of TV shows. Um, and he understands contemporary issues, which The Twilight Zone really dealt with contemporary issues. It was not that good when it de- dealt with race um, or, well, no, it actually did. It, it did deal with gender. Um, but not necessarily sexuality or anything like that. So I think that pushing those boundaries even further would do a really uh, good job for revitalizing it. And I wish Jordan Peele all the luck. And I, I'm a diehard Twilight Zone fan, so I'm I'm geared for its success. I'm really looking forward to it. All right. So do you remember that iconic movie that made people afraid of sharks? No, not Jaws. No, not Sharknado. Yes, that one, that one. Deep Blue Sea, yeah. Well, hey, you're in luck, because guess what? It's getting a sequel. Why? I don't know. Nobody knows. I have no earthly idea why, out of all the movies that you could make a sequel, Deep Blue Sea is getting a sequel, Um, But it's coming to the Sci-Fi Channel, which probably means that it will have terrible CGI sharks in it. Uh, It's going to be going on the Sci-Fi Channel in 2018. It won't have any of the original cast members, including Samuel L. Jackson, who is arguably, arguably the best part of the original film, and also died. (laughs) He also got eaten by a shark in the movie. Um, and so he's not coming back. Nobody's coming back. Thomas Jane's not coming back. Nobody's coming back for this movie. I don't know why they're doing this, but the sci-fi channel, it, if I can tell you a little secret, it is my dream to direct a movie for the sci-fi channel. As weird as that sounds, it's my dream to make a terrible made for TV movie, uh, for the sci-fi channel. It just... It just is. And I'm super, I'm super, I don't know why. I don't know why I'm like very intrigued by the idea of making a movie for the sci-fi channel. But I am. It's on my bucket list. All right. So lots of people are excited for my next bit of news. And I'm not 100% sure why. So Danny McBride, most famous for all those like bro dude gross comedy movies and TV shows is in charge of writing the next Halloween movie. I don't really get this, okay? Somebody explain it to me if you guys really get this. Um, I understood why Rob Zombie took it over, and the fans hated that. So I don't understand why Danny McBride gets it, and everybody's, like, super excited about this. Um, 
maybe I'm not familiar with Danny McBride's like horror writing or his comedy writing or his writing writing, but I'm really uh, completely at a loss for why this is happening. David Gordon Green, whose work I'm also not familiar with, but who is uh, co-writing it with McBride, who he has collaborated with with other TV shows and movies in the past, uh, they'll be writing it together, and then Green will be directing it. Jamie Lee Curtis has kind of come back to the franchise, which is kind of confusing, because if you guys remember, she died in Halloween Resurrection. Spoiler alert, okay? Um, but when asked about it, McBride said, we're kind of ignoring all the films uh, the films past the first one. It picks up after the first one, but it's sort of an alternative reality. It's as if the first Halloween ended in a slightly different way, which is interesting um, because that kind of snubs all the Rob Zombie takes of this, which is like weird to me because of the fact that like the fans didn't really like the Rob Zombie movies. So they're kind of just being like, well, F that guy. Like they're just kind of like, I don't, it's weird. That's a weird thing to me. Um, but it has the blessings of its original creator his holiness, Sir John Carpenter, himself in the flesh. And uh, so who am I? I mean, who am I to say that um, uh, I know more about this film than John freaking Carpenter? So I'm just going to shush. I'm probably not going to go watch it in theaters. I will probably wait till it comes out on the Netflix. But whatever. Um, So a while back, it was announced that there would be a new Venom movie which ugh, I am so excited about. I love Venom. Um, and that it would be starring the absolute, my God, oof, ah, ah, Tom Hardy. Oh, my God, Tom Hardy. He is, he has these lips. Oh, my God. They just look so soft. They look like the softest, most juiciest, kissable lips I have ever seen on a white man in my entire life. And that is like no small feat, okay? It also stars uh, my future, the future father of my children, Riz Ahmed, uh, and uh, Michelle Williams, who is also an actress of some sort. Anyway, so the film bit is a mystery to me. Um, As you might have heard, 20th Century Fox and Disney, Disney owns Marvel, but not the Spider-Verse. The Spider-Verse where Spider-Man and Venom reside, that's in Sony. So 20th Century Fox and Disney just made a, a, a merger happen, a business deal, right? Which is good because 20th Century Fox owns the X-Men franchise and Disney owns Marvel. So now we can have the X-Men in, we can have the X-Men in Marvel. It's, this is, this is for, I'm, I'm an X-Men fan. I hate all the X-Men movies, whatever. Um, but this is great. This is great news. Okay. But so, okay. So I'm going to try to make sense of this. Okay. But not, uh, Venom resides um, blah, 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 blah. I'm reading my notes. Okay, Spider-Man is currently in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, also known as the MCU. Okay, 
Venom's plot lines all mostly involve Spider-Man in some way, but how they're but I don't understand how they're going to do that if Sony, the who owns the Spider-Verse, isn't going to let Venom into the hands of Marvel slash Disney. We don't actually know what's happening, okay? Because Sony lent out Spider-Man to Disney slash Marvel, but not Venom, not everybody. They just said, here has Spider-Man because we think it's going to make us more money. And it did. Okay. So maybe they already have a deal worked out to, if they let Spider-Man into the Marvel MCU, that they would also let Venom into the MCU. So then Venom and Spider-Man could be in the same movie, which makes sense. That's really what I'm hoping for. I'm really hoping that they're going to be in the same movie um, and that it will be connected to the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's what I'm hoping. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do, but whatever. What, thing, what makes things a little bit more complicated is that it's being reported that the movie will pull from two comics, Lethal Protector and Planet of the Symbiotes. And if you don't know, Lethal Protector was a 1993 limited series um, by a whole bunch of dudes whose names I can't pronounce. Uh, and this was a series that marked Venom's turn from villain to anti-hero uh, with Eddie Brock's Venom, which I believe that we are doing at Eddie Brock's Venom. Um, striking a deal with Peter Parker to leave each other alone before leaving for San Francisco. We also do know that they are starting to shoot in San Francisco. There, Venom ends up teaming up with Spider-Man to defeat five new offspring of the Venom symbiote, Scream, Phage, Riot, Lasher, and Agony. Um, if you guys don't know what a symbiote is, my God, I don't, I, I don't have the time. Um, and then in Planet of the Symbiotes, published two years later and penned again by the same dudes, Earth is invaded by an army of symbiotes, forcing Venom, Spider-Man, and Scarlet Spider to team up and stop them. So, oh, also, Carnage makes an appearance in this as well, and it is a rumor that Carnage is the main villain in this film, but that's yet to be, um, to be... Uh, confirmed. All right. Wrapping up film news. Last news of the night. I've got some M night Shyamalan news. Are you guys fans of M night Shyamalan? I'm a huge fan of this guy. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know a lot of people are not huge fans of his. Um, I know that he messed up. He, he made avatar, which is an abomination. I, I know, I know, I know you guys, but come on. Like he is a genuinely good director. He just, makes missteps he's a human being he's a human being let him be a human being okay so m night Shyamalan has recently wrapped shooting for his unbreakable movie sequel glass recently Shyamalan has returned to public flavor with movies like the visit which i really liked and split which i haven't seen yet but i've heard good reviews in the movie split spoiler alert there was an unbreakable easter egg which connected the two movies split and unbreakable i liked unbreakable i liked it too okay i liked whatever um and so uh it connected them and made people believe or or intrigued about this idea that there is a bear with me you guys shamalanaverse okay so the shamalanaverse is where multiple films might be connected to each other which is fascinating to me i do not think that this man thought this through but whatever the plot line for glass is quoted as 
Following the conclusion of Split, Glass finds Dunn pursuing Crumb's superhero figure of the Beast. Crumb was, um, what's his name? He's bald. What's his name? The main guy in uh, Unbreakable. Uh, superhuman figure of the Beast. No. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Glass finds Dunn. Dunn is the main character from Unbreakable. Crumb is the villain from Split figure of the beast which was the character that he called himself in a series of escalating encounters while the shadowy presence of price played originally by samuel l jackson emerges emerges as an orchestrator who holds secrets critical to both men now uh i'm not really a returning fan of m night Shyamalan since i never left i really 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 liked the village and i really 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 liked the sixth sense um it's one of my all-time favorite movies the sixth sense was hugely influential to me i still watch it and i still take notes so i know that he's had some misses but that doesn't mean that he is sans talent he still has a lot of talent uh i think what happened was that people compared him to spielberg and that was just it was just not really fair for him and so when he had some missteps people were came down hard on him because he had such a lofty idol i don't i don't like that but i'm glad that he's returning to filmmaking since i know he's he's a really great talented director uh i think maybe it's just about his team i think he needs a better team around him but um but yeah this movie is slated to be released in january 18th 2019 team all right you guys i am wrapping it up for the night mama's gonna go and drink some pepto-bismol and lay down (laughs) and watch some anime uh thank you guys so much for coming in and having a great tuesday night with me i appreciate you guys so much thank you guys for coming back and returning to listen for multiple nights i can't believe that people are coming back to listen to me that's weird um I will see you guys in the Negaverse on the other side, on the upside down. Uh, If you want to contact me with your ghost stories, with your spooky songs, uh, with your movie news, if you just want to tell me how gorgeous I am, you can reach me at Nakamiss at N-O-C-E-M-I-S-S on Twitter and The Nocturnal Emissions Show on Facebook. All right, you guys. Stay creepy.